are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. What do you see when you watch women in ministry? Their giftedness? their ability to speak well while delivering sound teaching? Do you admire their organizational skills, their leadership skills? Do you wish that you could delegate the way they do? Or do you just wish you could live at peace and and such, it seems like just ease as these leaders appear to be living? Hello everyone and welcome to The Woman Behind the Ministry. This is a four-part series, Discover the Many Facets that We Are Not Always Privy to See in the Women in Ministry that We Admire So Much. My name is Kim Crable, and I will be hosting this four-part series that I pray that you will find not only informative, but also very inspiring. I am the radio host of Coffee with Kim on this Up To Me radio uh, station celebrating, which I still can't believe, my fifth year in delivering interviews with people that I feel like have really great God stories to inspire others. I am the founder and director of the ministry Roses and Rainbows, which encompasses hosting a TV show, some national speaking engagements, and of course, writing the curriculums of the things in the ministry. Up To Me Radio is the one who is behind this series that we're talking about, and they are bringing the best in inspirational talk and podcast and radio shows to the networks. Our incredible founder, Melinda Davis, wants to celebrate this anniversary through amplifying the voices of show hosts and their guests with specials such as this that you're a part of tonight. As our motto goes, It is up to me to be the best that I can be. So when we see women in ministry and we all see those that we admire, those that we wish to be more like, when we really think about it, we see a very narrow view into all that they are and probably all that they battle. All that that seems so seamless and perfect and easy maybe isn't so much as we see it. Maybe there's more going on behind the scenes. And if you're like me, you might wonder, how do they do it? How do they deal with it? Are are my ways as effective as their ways? So you might say that this four-part series is kind of like a behind the scenes, behind the scenes look into women we admire from their platform. But through this series, we want you to see them as women and what they think how they deal with those, the practical principles in which guide their lives. You know, in the New Testament of Titus, we are told to be teachers of what is good. And that's what I want this series to be, teachers of what is good, to be intentional about making disciples and to serve those who wish to serve. Jesus said that the logical end of effective teaching is that the pupil becomes like his teacher. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. He was giving a warning there, and the warning was this, to make sure that you are putting yourself under the teaching of a teacher to whom you want to be like. He 
wanted you to have godly, rightly dividing the Bible types of teachers. I will tell you that with the people that I'm putting before you are women that I have found to not only be great teachers of God's word, but lovers of God. With their whole hearts, soul, and mind, they teach and live from the love of God. And so with all this in mind, I am honored to once again welcome you back to the Women Behind the Ministry Session 2 maturing, maturing into ministry. And welcome our incredible uh, panel, Laura Bruska, Rebecca Keener, and Dr. Barbara Parker. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for giving your time to us. Thank now. you. Yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get started by, I'm going to ask each of you to um, introduce yourself Tell us a little bit about what you do and maybe where, what state you live in. We'll start with you, Dr. Parker. I want to first thank you for this opportunity. I think it's a great idea and I feel blessed to be invited. Um, I am Dr. Parker. I received a educational leadership degree in ministry leadership um, in 2017. And I think that it helped equip me because my current role is serving as the women's leadership specialist with the Dallas Baptist Association. What that job lets me do is to go in various churches around the Dallas area and help equip women to lead in various roles and specifically women's ministry. And another blessing I have is that Dallas Baptist University has offered me the opportunity to teach women's ministry courses as an adjunct professor with them. And so predominantly, that's the two areas where I'm serving right now. Wow. A lot of wisdom there. Thank you so much. Um, how about you uh, or who would like to go next? Maybe Laura? Hi, my name is Laura Brasca, and I uh, had a, a background in uh, corporate finance, um, accounting, and, and banking. And so it's really interesting the way that career has served me in being in a ministry because of the talents that it helps me bring, particularly to the leadership roles. Um, so uh, Kim is someone that I met actually back in uh, 2015. I've been on the board of Roses and Rainbows since 2018, and I currently serve as their president, which I'm so happy to do because in my mind, my work with the ministry uh, fulfills one of our purposes as Christians, which is to promote the word of God and spread the word. And uh, the ministry, uh, Roses and Rainbows, it, it does it in such a great way, a very unique way. And there are a lot of people that are either unchurched or not real familiar with the Bible that learn so much and really become much more connected to their love for Christ uh, through Kim's Bible studies. Thank you, Laura. We work hard, don't we? And and Barbara, Dr. Parker, Barbara is a board member as well. So, you know, we're we're in this for, we're in it to win it, win people into this uh uh, leaders, the leadership roles. So, and then we have Rebecca Keener. Rebecca? Hello. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation, Kim. And it's so nice to gather via Zoom with these great women of God who I've never met. It's so nice to meet you and just to see what God is doing in all different areas of his body. And it's an exciting thing. We have a lot to be excited about. And, and all the bad news we hear, you know, it's, it's good to see what God is doing all around the world. So thanks for having me. Um, I am the uh, founder and host of Always More TV, 
which is a television program that airs on, I believe it's 11 stations now. And uh, it's, we've done 108 programs all on the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord really put on my heart when we started it back in 2018 was just to focus on the Holy Spirit um, because so many people never, you know, think about him or hear about him or, you know, know about him. And so that's been a real blessing to be a part of that. We also have an organization called Heritage Christian Fellowship Incorporated, which is a missions and media missions um, organization and nonprofit that my father, who is a medical doc- a retired medical doctor, started in 1972. So we are um, celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, and it's very exciting to see that that's, even though we've had some dormant years, uh, God has kept it going and using it in a new way now, so that's a blessing. Um, my uh, my background is I have a, communi- a degree in communications from Oral Roberts University, and um, I spent many years in healthcare marketing, public relations as a PR marketing um, director for hospitals and loved that and enjoyed that. And I worked in training and development with a company called SkillPath for many years and traveled with them. And then uh, previously before getting into media ministry, I was on staff as a women's and marriage uh, pastor or director at Free Chapel in Gainesville, Georgia. And that was a great blessing to be a part of that. So I love what Barbara is doing and what a great resource for people who are in the trenches. So that's who I am. I've been married to Edward 35 years this month. Next week, we'll be married 35 years. We (laughs) have three sons. Thank you. Three Uh sons and a new grandbaby. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, audience, those are, as you're listening, you can tell you have a lot of wisdom here. I read somewhere that every time a woman dies, an entire library dies with her. And I do believe that. And I believe that that's why I know in our ministry, it's so important to gather women together to build platforms so that we can just simply talk. Um, you know, ours is a ministry of friendship, and but it's but it takes a lot of leadership that, to to make that happen. And so I uh, welcome our listeners, and I just thank you for your interest in hearing from those who are seasoned in ministry and what they've learned, and to be able to you know just hear some solid principles. I want to go to you first, Barbara, because you had made a comment in this that just uh, I love so much. And I w- would love for you to start the discussion and then anyone, all of you, I want us just to, you know, uh, communicate on, on all these topics. But Barbara, you had said we must equip, you're talking about the new generation of ministry with women and how that's changing. And you, your last comment was this, this is what just gripped my soul. We must equip young women to lead both inside and outside the church and disciple them to be mature Christians and not simply well-educated believers. I love that. I, I so believe in the education as obviously you do with two doctorates and all the things, all, all the you know, education that we've compiled together. But if you have education and you don't know what to do with it, I don't know. So tell me what you were thinking when you said that. Well, when we had to kind of boil down our heartbeat to one question for you, I thought the one thing I want to get across is what I'm seeing in all these churches that I go into is women seem to be confused on the difference between mentoring, discipling, and Bible studies, because they're obviously intertwined. I mean, you're going to have Bible studies and mentoring and discipling, but they don't understand that discipleship training is very intentional. 
where mentoring is more life sharing. And so that's where I think we're losing people. And I think the best illustration is the way Jesus gave us an example of how he taught. Um, there were three venues that he mainly taught in. The first one was the, the masses. He would stand in the boat and just teach to the people on the shore. And there wasn't a lot of interaction. I mean, they couldn't really raise their hand and ask him a question. And so we do a lot of teaching like that, even in our churches. The next was his small group. And we're all big. Real change happens in small groups. I use that quote all the time. And he had his 12. And that was the 12 that he really built into, shared his life with. That was his mentoring role. But then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. That was his discipleship group. Those three got to go places and do things that the others didn't get to do. He shared with them on a level that the other even disciples didn't have. And that's what we need to train our women in leadership now, that yes, you're going to teach to the large group. You're going to bring a small group around you to invest in, but you got to have two or three really close that you're going to let them see all the faults, all the problems, and then invest in them to become multipliers. Because a lot of those people in your small group aren't going to become multipliers but that's what you want your disciple people to be. So if you have two or three people that you've pulled alongside of you, you get a written commitment, in my opinion, that we're going to do a year of discipleship training together. And then those you're going to say at the end, your commitment to me is that you're going to find two or three to disciple and going to start multiplying believers. And so that's kind of my, my heartbeat of what I think we need to do and the difference between being educated, because I can put you in the large group or the small group and teach you Bible all day long. But until I move you to that small group and disciple you, you may not know what to do with all the things you've just learned. Mm -hmm. Cool. I love that. Uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? For? Yeah. Um, when, when we got the list of who was together and I saw we have one talking about the Holy Spirit and the other one talking about don't be overburdened. I thought, OK, the Holy Spirit is in this because yeah. the whole point of discipling is that you have to let the Holy Spirit lead. Um, you have to be invested in reading the word. Um, the scripture that I kind of go back to for this is John 8, 31 to 32. Um, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in the word, you're not a disciple. And so the only way you truly understand the word is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we learn about the Holy Spirit in a minute, I think that's perfect for discipleship. I mean, that's right where it is. And then don't get overburdened. Oh my goodness, do women ever. And so if I'm sitting around telling these leaders, well, now I want you to pick up three women. I want you to invest. And I want you to teach. I want you to do easily people get overburdened. And so I'm, I'm interested to hear what Laura has to say so that women can make intelligent decisions about how yes. to do that, but still become disciples of the word. Yes, absolutely. Because we do. I mean, I, th I feel like we, we expect a lot from people. And most of the time, I don't know what the statistics are now, but it used to be 20% of the people uh, in the church were the ones who are doing most of the work. And, you know, and, and so we can become really overwhelmed. But to me, I think that goes back to discipling and mentoring, you know, improper, really bringing them in. But let's go right on down then to, um, to either uh, Rebecca and Laura, if you have a uh, something to say about what Barbara just said, or if we want to just go right into the, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit plays in this. But Laura, were you going to, I saw Laura. Yeah, I, I would like to uh, dovetail thought on what Barbara said is um, 
you know, from, from a high level point of view, this is all part of stewardship of resources and the people in the next generation, those are your resources. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone that becomes overburdened and fatigued, and then along with that frustrated because things come up and things don't go as we plan. And I've had one of those weeks this week where the best laid plans just, I mean, I might as well just throw the list out the window because that, but that's life. Um, and so it's not good stewardship of our resources to let people progress in that way, carrying too much of a burden because then they get burned out and, and they leave. They either leave the organization or they just, you know, for their own mental health. And we, and when people are passionate, it is very easy to keep taking on and taking on. And that's part of, um, again, going back to what Barbara said about being more of a mature Christian is knowing the pace at which you can move and how to do it and how to do the delegation. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about in Roses in, in this ministry is I always say, you know, if, if you, I, when, when you see my phone number show up on your phone, I don't want it to be, oh gosh, it's her again. You know, I don't want you to be overworked. I want it to be like, oh, it must be good news uh, because it can become like that. And I don't, I don't want that. And, and so that takes intention on everybody's part. But it also takes the moving of the Holy Spirit and understanding. So, Rebecca, tell us what is the part that you, in, in what we've talked about so far, what is the principle here for our listeners to gather about how the Holy Spirit plays in this? Well, the the scripture that I am the most passionate about that really drives what I do uh, in terms of teaching on the Holy Spirit and trying to keep that focus right down the middle of the road on that one particular topic because there are so many and I do I love teaching that is my passion and I I guess that's what my calling is um, and where God has placed me within the body of Christ and um, I taught many years at the school of discipleship at Free Chapel and and we had four different phases and the phase that I taught was primarily to women on transformation and that was transformation of the mind, will and emotions, mm-hmm. the soul and um, it, you know, it would get, it would get messy <laughs> because there are so many people who are hurting and so many women who are hurting and have suffered so much trauma and so much loss and trying to process all that and to, um, you know, get the word in them. And many of them were new Christians and baby Christians. And what I've found through the years is that you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And the scripture that is my passion that drives me forward is out of Acts 19 and 2, where Paul was with Apollos and they came upon a group of believers and they said, did you, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much as even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And I think that's so much of our, our church today. Um, It may be even worldwide and even church today um we just through the years i think have had less and less and less emphasis on the holy spirit who is the most important person walking the face of the earth today and even i who you know study on and talk on the holy spirit have to be continually reminded every day 
just a little tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit, you know, let me get in here. Can, can I help you with this? Can you just kind of move out of my way a little bit and be led by the Spirit and let me, let me operate here, let me lead you, let me teach you, let me strengthen you when you think you can't go on, you know, lean in and lean on the Holy Spirit. And so um, I think that's so important. I saw a funny statement the other day. I can't even go to Walmart without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and isn't that the truth today? You know, there's just nothing that we can do in and of ourselves, whether it's caring for a family or ministry or, oh, and I've tried it for many years to do ministry without the power of the Holy Ghost. And it is miserable. And so when we surrender to him and allow him to be that, um, that one who is flowing through us and leading us and giving us the words to say and where to go and what to do, when to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, when to, you know, pour the word in them, when to send a text of encouragement, whatever, whatever he needs us to do to be sensitive to him. It, it just becomes such a joy. There's a lightness about it. And that's my passion. I, I, and I love that. And, you know, and it, it, you know, the Holy Spirit, it kind of scares people a little bit, you know, when we think about uh, God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but they are three in one. Barbara, how do Amen. you explain that to, how do you, how do you explain that to new Christians? How do you explain being guided by the Holy Spirit? How do, how would you speak? tell our listeners how to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, foremost, stay in the word of God, because yeah. um, that's how you decipher what's your own personal emotion driving you versus what might be the Holy Spirit prompting. Because if you know the word, then, then you know that it's from God. Um, so that's yeah. really the best thing you can do, because you, you tell everybody, we all have our own way of kind of feeling like, well, I'm being led to do something, but it, I cringe when I hear people say, well, God told me. I'm like, well, how do you know God told you? Because, I mean, it's not an audible message. And so you, you have the, the checks that one, it agrees with the word of God. Um, some other believer that's more mature can come alongside you and say, yes, I believe God is speaking it to you. And then others are going to affirm it. So that's how you really know. Um, but it's hard. I mean, it's kind of trial and error that you learn what is, I really wanted to do that. So I said that it was the Holy Spirit leading me versus um, I really don't want to do that. And I think it is God telling me to take a step out. And that's a part of this, you know, going back to our topic for, for this session, maturing into ministry. And that, that is a part of that maturing process. So for, you know, listeners, as you're thinking about this, it, it, it is a maturing. And here's the thing. And I think each of you ladies will agree. We're all still learning. We're mm -hmm. all maturing, we sh you know, every day. And so to, step into ministry doesn't mean that you have to feel like you have it all together, that you're, you've, you've, you've met everything, you, you know it all, you, you're mature and ready. No, I think that when you step into a ministry, you realize how much you do depend on the Holy Spirit and how much you do have to have that morning talk and time with him every day. Laura, I see you getting ready to say something. What are your thoughts? Well, one of my thoughts is, and for any of the, the listeners out there, stepping into a leadership role is a way to mature as a Christian, because um, you've got to rely on more than yourself. And as Barbara said, um, you let the word lead you, you get into the word more, you are surrounding yourself with more 
people that are Christian, Christ-like, have those values, and that all helps propel you to the next level, which is so important for, for your maturity. And I think the more you lead, the more you realize you don't know. The more you know, the less you realize you know. Yes. And it, it's really humbling. I, I was a bit arrogant in my youth. Um, many people will confirm that. And the more I lead, the more humble I become because you see mistakes that you've made. And even though you think you're more mature in the word, you still trip. And so every time I fall on my face, I'm like, you know, Barbara, you're not there. Um, stay on your knees. That's where you need to be. Mm -hmm. You know, you make a good point, Barbara, because actually through leadership, we're exposed to many more situations, a multiple of what we would otherwise just have as ourselves, you know, um, a younger, more immature, you know, person, Christian, they're going to keep a tighter circle. When that circle gets bigger, suddenly you're dealing with different things. Everything's not in your comfort zone. Um, and then often you find yourself in a leadership role, you're making a decision that's for the good of the organization, which may not necessarily align a hundred percent with your opinion, you know, um, you know, if you were executive director, if you were, you know, um, but anyway, it's, you start analyzing and using a lot of different perspectives, but all coming back to how are we best serving, you know, the Lord with our actions and our ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And even though I say I never do the argument of complementarian versus egalitarian, Laura brings up that point. I, clearly, because of the leadership I've had, I, I lean toward women being in prominent positions and leading even in the church. But I serve in a very conservative complementarian church. And I knew that when I came under my pastor, that that meant I followed his, his vision. And learning to lead in that environment, that's what I take to people. If I can lead effectively in that church, you can lead anywhere. Because I could still educate, train, and promote women to go do ministry. And my pastor loved me. So, it, yeah, I totally agree with what Laura just said. I think also when, when we're dealing with all these situations and people and different styles of leadership that we may come under um, and work with, it gives us an opportunity to also exercise those muscles of grace and kindness, which, you know, are mentioned throughout the Bible, uh, grace specifically 130 times. I love to talk about how through etiquette and social skills, we can use that as a ministry to, you know, bring our Christian values to others. But I think when the pedal hits the metal is when you're in one of those tight situations in a leadership role and you just, you find the ability right there in your grace and kindness. Absolutely. When we started a leadership program in my church, the first thing we did was me and the minister of education was outline the fruit of the spirit and say, how are we going to stay within that? And that's our guide of if we're working or not, are we seeing the fruit of the spirit come out of people? Oh, well, there's an indicator right there. Absolutely. That's the indicator mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit working, right, Rebecca? Yes, I think that's first and foremost. And sometimes we we place an emphasis on the gifts. And if you don't have the character to carry the gifts, then, you know, we fail. If it's not, if, if we don't administer the gifts of the Holy Spirit and love and first learn and allow those uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit to get deeply rooted within us so that they produce the fruit, you know, we, we're immature. And 
Um, oftentimes we produce bad fruit. And so I think it all goes back to what Dr. Barbara said, you know, and just being rooted and established in the word of God, how important that is. And I was meditating over the weekend on 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And, you know, if we don't have that word, that check and balance in our life, teaching and reproving us, then we're lost. We're not going to make it in this culture that we are living in today without the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word is breathed out by the Holy Spirit. So he's the best teacher we can get. And even just trying to teach my, my three sons who are young adults now, you know, to, to um, have a passion for the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to teach them through the word, you know, be attuned to what he's saying to them specifically, because the word is applicable and the word works. And um, we need, we need it more and more. Well, and what you're saying there too, I, you know, if, if we're not, if we're not going to the word, if we're not uh, breathing in, as you say, then what happens is, is we begin to compromise and we began to look more like, we began to look more and more like the world and we're not making that difference. We're not looking different and staying steadfast in, in what God has called us to do. And, and yeah. it, it bega- becomes blurred as to, you know, who is the believer and who is not. And so, you know, God has clearly given us some roles as ambassador of Christ, the vessels of his righteousness, you know, teachers of good things. And so how can we can't do that without the word at, at work within us and, and manifesting itself in us through the, the, the words of our mouth. Barbara, what yeah. are you going to say? No, I'm good. Oh, I thought you were going to. Okay, so we, we're talking about this. I love this new generation. And for those who are listening, I hope that, I mean, you're, you're grasping, you're getting so many principles that I hope that you're able to, to write down uh, about the Holy Spirit, about the maturing, and, you know, really stepping into the roles. There's nothing, and Laura, you hit on this, and I think it's so big. There's nothing like stepping into a role that makes you mature because no one studies like the one who's going to be teaching, Right. <laughs> No one studies like that person. And so, you know, stepping into, so if you're listening and you're thinking, gosh, I really would like to do whatever it is that you're being called upon to do. And you've prayed and you feel like that the Holy Spirit is really leading you and guiding you. You know, of course, the voice of the enemy will come in and say, you're not ready. You're not prepared. But as you step into it, if you are uh, intentional to do your study, to be in the word, uh, to have mentors, disciples like you've heard here today, you will mature into that role. And I think one of the best things to do, and let's have some discussion on this, ladies. I think one of the best discussions to do when you're leading is, is start out by saying, hey, guys, I don't, I don't not pretending to, to say that I know it all. I'm going to give you what I have and let's have a discussion on it. I think that, you know, I think that puts everybody at ease. I'm always, and Laura, you know this, you've been with me for years. I always say, I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, but together we have so many more answers. So, you know, this swapping of wisdom and fellowship, I think is important too. That's part of the maturing. Any comments on that? Well, I think also that's one, one way it goes back to that 
stewardship of the resources that you're given, your volunteers, your boards, the other people that are stepping into leadership roles. Um, they are in different places, both in their life and their development, but they all have wisdom to share. And I think your approach is a very good one, Kim, where when as the leader, you step back and facilitate a discussion and a conversation, um, often you come to a consensus on things, but you more importantly, you draw out a lot of ideas. It's, you know, akin to uh, brainstorming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you, we just don't really understand everything that people have inside them unless we give them the opportunity to talk. And I think that that is a principle of a good leader to not always be talking, you know, to be listening as well. And, and how else are we going to stir up the gifts within other people if we're not listening and looking for those gifts? And so I think that's a vital important is just being still and listening. And not only listen, but let them try. Um, yes. leadership is real bad about, well, give me all your ideas and opinions. Cause I don't know everything, but then you go off and decide how it's going to be done. Right. Um, the mm-hmm. best compliment I was given when I led the women's ministry at the church was that I was described as you always provide the skeleton or the scaffolding, but you let everyone else fill it in so that everybody could bring their gift to the table. And like you said earlier, it may not have been the way I would do it, but it got the goal I wanted because I gave the bigger picture. But I mean, it brought in all kinds of ideas that I would have never thought of. And women felt empowered to do that, to try. Yeah, empowered, there is such a huge word. It's because when you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit and you're working, then what happens? You're going to exercise that more, right? You're going to feel so good about, wow. And even if it's not the way you want it to be, you know that God was working through you. And if we can, if we, that's, that's discipling, that's helping other people live beyond our life and their calling. Laura, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, and what I was also going to say, you know, Barbara, I have to imagine that everyone that leaves a meeting that was run the way you just described felt like they were really needed at that meeting and their time was well used. Having worked in, in many different uh, volunteer groups and settings, I know one thing that will turn volunteers off is when they show up and there's either too many people and not enough work or there's not good direction um, or things are so chaotic, you know, they just feel like their their gift, their time, you know, was, was wasted. So Barbara, I think that that really was a terrific compliment that that person gave you. I think it is too. And, and, as you ladies are talking, I'm thinking about the scripture, iron sharpens iron. And that's the beauty about the body of Christ is we may all come from different backgrounds and situations, but, you know, we're, we're unified in the spirit. We're one in the spirit and we sharpen one another. And uh, we're not here to compete or to one up or to um, say I'm the most knowledgeable or my way is the best way or um, I, I love what Paul said, Paul, you know, at the beginning of his ministry, he's, I, I believe he said, and Dr. Barbara, you can correct me on this because I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he said, I'm the chief apostle. Then by the end, end of his ministry, he said, I'm the chief among sinners. And, you know, sometimes that's how I feel. I just, you know, you just ministry humbles you as I think you've already said over the years. And, and um, 
that's why I named the program, our television program, what I did was always more because no matter how much we know or we think we know about God and his word, there's always more. And so uh, we're not where we used to be. <laughs> Thank God for that. But, you know, we still have things that the Holy Spirit wants to refine and to grow in us. And so that's why we need community with other women to um, just be open to what, how the Holy Spirit wants to correct us and train us. I love Titus too, also, you know, where the older women train up the younger women. And that was also a passion of mine as the women's director, ministry director at Free Chapel was to have, you know, those small groups and those circle times in our Bible studies, as well as in the home studies, um, where older women were with the younger women and the younger women to just encourage them, inspire them to pull out of the older women everything they could. And, you know, training is different than teaching because training is kind of like you get in the kitchen with them and a recipe and you let them, you know, like with the, a child learning to cook, you let them crack the egg and get the mess all over the kitchen and you affirm them and oh, you're doing great. And, and um, you stand by their side like the Holy Spirit does with us. He is our standby. And so um, I, think, I think we need more of that. And we, we need to um, ask for those interest, entrances into the heart of that younger generation that they will receive from us, that they'll want to be trained up. You know, you have to cultivate that in the next generation or else they're like, I know more than you, you know, you're always having to come to me to get your cell phone fixed or your computer. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so um, I think we're dealing with a generation who has um, so many more experiences in a, in a carnal sense than anything we ever had growing up with the technology and the information being where it is today and um, we, we've got to con continually just pour into them and not hold back <laughs> and I and I, I love that and I love I think that kind of goes along with what Barbara says we have to start teaching people to serve outside the church as as heartily as inside the church um, but that brings us to our last point and we have about five minutes left but it brings us to that point of once in this leadership role as we are maturing into ministry uh laura this was your how do we keep from taking on too much spreading ourselves too thin how do we how, what how do we say no what is what is uh give us some principles you know on that. there really is maturity there and what a perfect time because i've i've got the factors that ensure success and leadership roles um here and what i've heard is each one of us have touched on one or more of them in a different way so let me just you know quickly run through them so that the listeners can walk away with everything kind of tied up in a bow um the first factor is breath in a leadership role Basically, you want to understand the whole organization and all of its missions, programming, you know, what you're doing. Then the next would be context, understanding what's going on in the outside world, the culture, the trends, and how your organization is going to operate within that. Um, choice is the third. And the reason that this is so important to ensure success is the more of what you understand about breath and context the more choices for your organization you're going to generate 
in terms of options, and then you'll have better choices to, to implement. Um, but the one I love the, the most is the fourth one, and that is connections. That's connecting with others, building strong relationships and building trust within the people in your group and those coming up into the leadership roles. And the reason it's so important to do this is so that they can be directed to projects that they have the gifts and the talents for, they'll be interested in them. And also so that as a leader, you're not trying to do it all and, and take it on. That's a more immature approach where you step into a role and then you find yourself doing 100% and that leads to the burnout and frustration. So by going the other direction and relying on others, you can delegate successfully and still accomplish all the goals of the organization. And a scripture that I would like to tie that to is 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, which is, Dear friends, let us love on another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So really what you want to do there is love those in the organization, and they are going to bring gifts that you may not have necessarily had on your list or were on the lookout for, but they're those surprise gifts. And you know, perhaps, uh, Rebecca, this is the Holy Spirit uh, bringing forth what the organization needs. Yeah, that's, I, I love that, Laura. The Lord's really been dealing with me about in church. I was sitting behind a family the other day, and I just became overwhelmed by looking at them and thinking about, I wonder what their story is. I wonder what their experiences are. I wonder what their challenges have been, what they've been through in life. I know they've been through a lot. They were a multiracial family, beautiful family. And I just thought, oh, I'd just love to just get to know them and hear their story. And it was like the Lord was just putting on my heart how each of us are so, so valuable to him. Our time is valuable. The gifts that he put in us are so valuable to him. They are priceless. Because he gave his life for us upon the cross. That's what the finished work of the cross is all about, is communicating to us how much he loves us and how valuable we are to him. And I think when we, we realize, to go back to your question, Kim, about how do you say no, we've got to learn. We've got to teach our next generation. You're just not some piece of, you know, um, you know junk can be thrown out on the trash heap of ministry. You're not just some substandard person and we're waiting to find some really sharp people to come along and take your place. No, you are valuable. You are valuable to Christ and you are valuable to the body of Christ. And I think when we learn that, when our young women learn that, they know who they are and they stand with boldness and confidence and they know when to say no. And they know when to say yes, according to what the Holy Spirit's telling them to do. Just having the ability to say that, you know, that's the thing. We got to give them, empower them to say no, it's okay. Amen. To let them know it's okay. As a matter of fact, it's better than okay. It's freeing you yourself up so that someone else can get involved, right? They can that's embrace right. the opportunity. Well, ladies, it, it we, have, we have just a couple of minutes left and I'd like to, uh, and I just want to thank you again. Gosh, the knowledge, 
that you each have is unbelievable. And I know we've just barely scratched the surface, but I think to you, the listener, I think that you've been able to uh, write down principle after principle, thought after thought. And so what I would like each of you to do is just to take 30 seconds. And what is the one message? What is the one principle or thought that you would like to leave with someone who is struggling in leadership who is really trying to mature into ministry, what is one thing that you would like to, to leave with them? And we'll start, Barbara, would you like to start? Sure. Um, getting back to my heartbeat of discipleship, I think what I would tell any leader is you need somebody to be studying under. Um, you can't grow as a leader without having somebody ahead of you. And so that would be my encouragement. Um, if your goal in whatever you're doing is spiritual growth and replication, you can't reproduce what you're not doing yourself. And so you need to be in that same discipling environment so you can help disciple others. Mm, that's powerful. Don't go at it alone. That's right. powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Laura? I think uh, the thought that I'd like to leave is one that goes back to um, the factor of success, which is choice. And as a leader, you're going to have people bring you a lot of ideas and it's up to you to sort through what really meets your mission so that you're not taking on too much. But most importantly, to know that successful leaders frequently say no. And the reason they do this is so that they have the time for the more important opportunities. I would Thank say you. to ask the Holy Spirit to um, teach you and to lead you to those people who he specifically has called to disciple you and to mentor you and to lead you. And ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. I'm learning almost at 60 years old, self-love and self-care. I was never taught that growing up. I never learned how to take care of myself or uh, to do anything for myself or to eat healthy or to exercise or, you know, those type things have to be non-negotiables if you're a leader in the body of Christ. You've got to take care of yourself, your temple, which is of the Holy Spirit, and to take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So important, and it cannot be done without the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. Powerful. Ladies, thank you all so very much. And, and to the listeners, I know that you've just, there's so many takeaways. I'd like to... Uh, end our this session to maturing into ministry by you know I remember hearing one time that if you were to try to take all of God all the knowledge of God um, and and all it would be like trying to pour all the oceans into a teacup it's impossible you know we, there's always more we'll we'll always there's always more to learn so I would just encourage you to take what you've heard the wisdom that you've had and to step into whatever God would want you to do. You will mature as you step into that ministry. Ephesians 3.2 tells us, glory be to God who by his power at work within us can do beyond anything we could ever imagine, dream, or even ask. So there is so more in you that you could ever imagine. Let's all of us step into this ministry in, in the way that God would want us to and mature as we minister to those around us. I'd like to thank you again for joining us. I hope that you will join us for our next session, session three, which is called Holy Hills in High Places. How about that for a name, girls? That's intriguing, isn't it? 
But thank you all so much. Maturing is the part of ministry that is so important and so vital. And again, uh, Laura, Rebecca, Dr. Parker, thank you all so much for joining us. And for all of you who joined us, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for meeting us right here. Bye, everybody.